Oh, what is the upskies, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the GX Hockey Cast. We are on episode 76, PK Subban of my little hockey show, where once a week I go through all of the major news in the NHL, mainly focusing in on the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Calgary Flames, because that's my team's. But I'll be talking about all 32 teams as best as I can on this show. So what do we have on taps today? Well, the Global Series is over, and well, we will we will be talking about that. We got some Washington Capitals news, Columbus Blue Jackets. Ooh. We got Vancouver talk, Edmonton talk, Montreal talk, Los Angeles, and Ottawa, and so much, very much more. We're going to take a look at the standings because... It is, we're getting very close, if not at American Thanksgiving, so it's kind of tradition for uh, people to look at the NHL standings around this time, so we'll be doing that on today's episode, but let's start out with the Global Series, and yeah, it was, uh, you know, it would have been great if it wasn't freaking blacked out, so I didn't get to watch it because, of course, you know... It makes, I just, I don't really want to get on to this ramble yet again. Everyone goes on this ramble about the blackouts in the NHL. It is absolutely ridiculous. So, yeah, I didn't get to watch it. One game was at 8 in the morning. I work nights. So that was just going to be a a hard no from me. I, I woke up and the game was well done by then, but... I mean, from what I have gauged from people viewing it, I did get a good uh, opportunity to watch the Ottawa and Detroit game. That was a ton of fun. That was the funnest uh, part of the Global Series that I got to witness. That was a lot of fun. I turned it on, and I was a little bit disappointed. I think Ottawa was up like 4-1, to one, and then <laughs> and watching Detroit come back, and then that Stutzel, Stutzela, whatever you want to call him, love this guy. That overtime goal with the baseball swing, absolutely gorgeous. That was a hell of a way to kick off the Global Series. Uh, The rest of it, like I said, I didn't get to witness too much of it, but it was good to see at least some of the the Swedish stars coming out. Obviously, William Nylander being, I would say, the MVP of the Global Series. He was absolutely fantastic. He was a superstar over there. The, The Swedish people absolutely adore him, and he is probably the hottest, maybe even the most popular player in the NHL right now. Like, he's absolutely on fire for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And that was awesome. Really good to see him over there. And a lot of his family members, every single one of them, at minimum an 8 out of 10. Even grandma was beautiful. I feel like I talked about this already, but yes, uh, very beautiful people over there in Sweden. And very polite, just, oh man, it was... uh, it was cool, man. I heard a lot of great things. It was fun watching uh, the Steve Dangle LFRs where he reacts after every Leaf game. He was doing it live outside of the building. He actually got to go over there to Sweden, watch the games, and then he did LFR live with Swedish fans behind him. So that was really cool as well. So a fairly successful thing. Again, I still don't think the NHL markets uh, the games as good as they should. I get. I wasn't able to watch it, uh, at least my Leaf ones, because they were blacked out. Again, just absolutely stupid, uh, very outdated 
situation that the NHL has themselves in with that whole blackout. It's dumb. They need to figure out a spot where put it anywhere, give it to Disney, give it to Amazon. I don't care. Just have it all in one place and have it one and done because right now I'm paying $40 a month for Sportsnet. Uh, That also includes the WWE package. It's a hefty price tag and I only get to watch half, maybe half of the games uh, through uh, my Sportsnet package, my own team. So again, sorry to ramble about it, but it's just so infuriating. But Willie going over there, having a great time. That was wicked. Uh, Leafs winning both of the games. That That's always a good thing. Uh, didn't <clears throat> necessarily play amazing over there. Uh, we can get a little bit more into detail on that. I mean, John Klingberg uh, goes over there with the team and does not play. So there's a lot of talk around John Klingberg right now. Not only... Uh, Has his play not been very good? He makes a good chunk of money on the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, you know, the Leafs have defensive problems. He's a defenseman, and he's sort of part of the problem. So, um, with him going over there, he is Swedish, I do believe, and him not getting into the games, that's a big deal. Obviously, he wanted to get into those games, without a doubt. He's an NHL professional. He would like to play whenever possible, but... It seems that his hip issues that have been ongoing for who knows how long NHL players and teams are quite good at the cloak and dagger, uh, especially these days with the injuries, but uh, who knows how long Klingberg has been dealing with a hip injury, but it seems now it's just kind of gotten to uh, a tipping point where it's just, it's gotten too bad and it's definitely affected his play. Like we all know that he wasn't a good defensive player. Uh, defenseman coming in, but it's just his all-around game even has kind of crumbled. Uh, you know, he's definitely, he got a $4 million contract for a reason, uh, and he was, uh, he had, I think, a, a $50 million contract on the table from Dallas, bet on himself, and that's going very, very poorly, sadly. That sucks, but it is the way that she goes sometimes, but we'll see what's going, <clears throat> excuse me, on with Klingberg and hoping, uh, or I don't know, man. Like, it's I don't want him to go away, but I think that's probably the best thing for the Leafs to try and do is to try and move on from Klingberg. And if it just so happens that he is injured to the point that he needs to leave the team and get his hip injury dealt with, and they got to put him on long-term injury reserve, well, that just happens to benefit the team salary cap-wise. They can move that money off and, you know, make some moves with a little bit of salary cap freedom so that would be cool sucks that Klingberg is injured and cannot play and also missed out on the the Sweden games he was still there and was I believe partaking in some of the festivities there was like uh, a Borea Salming movie that a lot of the Leafs went to uh, the premiere of so that's key but yeah the Klingberg thing stinks there's a whole bunch of rumors and speculation going on like I don't want to get too into it but you know there's rumors floating around with Marner and a big deal potentially with the Calgary Flames I mean I've always honestly out of the big four excluding Morgan Riley no no offense but forwards big four Tavares Matthews Nylander Marner I've always been on the side of if we're if we're gonna get rid of one I've always kind of favored Marner going honestly um And yes, there is definitely a little bit of animosity in that selection from myself personally. He's not my favorite player on the team. Personality-wise, he's just not my favorite as a player. 
yeah, I mean, undeniably extremely entertaining to watch. I, I cannot deny that. I would miss watching Marner, but uh, the way that Willie's playing right now, it's a risky gamble because he is on a contract year. It would be, you know, it's not uncommon for a player once they, you know, grab the bag for them to maybe turn off the heat a little bit. So this could easily be a career year for Nylander. He could hit 45, maybe he hits 50 goals, maybe he flirts with 100 points, and that could be a career year, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's a lot of players that have career years and don't necessarily get back to that. William Carlson, for example, 40-plus goals his first season with Vegas, and he's a really good player still, but has not sniffed that 40 goals ever again. So, you know what I'm saying? So there is that uh, uh, on the back burner kind of being thought of. It's like, okay, do we give... William Nylander, the contract extension, the way he's playing right now. I mean, he's clearly playing better than Marner at this moment. And Marner's locked in, but for not too much longer. So there there is a possibility. It's it's just a conversation right now because Marner hasn't quite been himself this season. He's doing just fine. I think maybe he's just getting overshadowed a little bit. I I almost think that uh, still, I think, he may be playing the weakest of the big four. Still playing quite good, but I, I still think Tavares, Matthews, Nylander are, are playing better than him right now. So the conversations out there, like could Calgary, I mean, what would that? What is the the deal? Because like Marner is going to bring back much more than <clears throat> Tanev and uh, what's the other guy they're looking to bring in? Uh, Sidorov. So maybe it would be Hannafin and. Lindholm like I don't know I don't know but that's just a little rumor that I saw swirling around out there I don't know if that's the situation but I think if Klingberg gets cleared up they could even maybe move him to Calgary well I don't think you can trade uh, injured players but maybe if he goes on long term they can just move that over to Calgary regardless um, the the bottom line is if, if Klingberg's money gets moved off the books that's going to benefit the Leafs in uh, giving them some flexibility and to be able to hopefully make a move on the blue line that can help them out. They have been playing better, but it's still, like, without a doubt, it's an issue that needs to be addressed. Uh, they could play good for a little bit, but it's clear as day to me that they need to beef up on the back end, get a little bit of depth. Is Lilligren on the move? Does When Connor Timmins comes back into the lineup, is is that going to help out? I don't think Connor Timmins, honestly, is going to be the answer to the woes, but I think at this point, Connor Timmins is a better replacement over Klingberg. I think some of those guys that they brought up, uh, what is it, Legacy, Benoit, they have been okay, but I still think they're at the level of like 7th defenseman depth. I think they need a Zadorov, they need a Tanev and or uh, a Noah Hannafin. I think Hannafin's still reaching for the stars. I think that that'd be too pricey, but I think you can get a Tanev at a pretty decent price and Zadorov might be that middle of the road, fairly expensive, but um yeah, it's it's kind of what they need. It's out there. Uh it's been, you know, known that he wants to be moved. So that's cool, but other teams are sniffing around. So again, it hasn't happened yet. I I'm I'm still patiently waiting. Uh, to see what happens, but that would be jaw-dropping if Marner got moved to Calgary. It would be interesting for me, like I said, I'm not huge on Marner, but in Calgary's my, sec- my favorite team out of the West, 
and him going there, that would be rather interesting indeed. Because, again, that doesn't necessarily fix Calgary's problem of needing a finisher. Marner has a good shot, but he's not known for being a goal scorer. At best, he can uh, get you 30, 35 goals, but, you know, then that, that Toronto has much more threats on that team than Calgary. Yeah, Tavares out there, Matthews and Nylander and... Yes, so I don't think Marner going to Calgary makes a lot of sense. Nylander going to Calgary honestly makes a ton more sense, but, you know, would the Leafs do that at this moment? I mean, you'd be selling him at his absolute pinnacle value, (laughs) absolutely. So maybe that's the right move, Uh, you know, five years down the road in hindsight if they don't move him. Uh, maybe they'll look back and be, shit, maybe they should have dealt him at the pinnacle. Or this is just the beginning of Nylander hitting his Super Saiyan mode when he just becomes a consistent 45-goal guy and, uh, and 95 to 100 points. And, and who knows? And he's always been a consistent playoff performer. So who knows what contract year Willie could do in the playoffs. And if the Leafs trade him, we, we're not going to know that, right? So it's very interesting uh, you know, hearing all these things going around out there with the Toronto Maple Leafs and Calgary, so are uh, pretty interesting. Keeping my ear uh, open out there and curious, what do you guys think? Is is the right move to move one of the Marner and uh, and or Nylander uh, to try and fix the back end a little bit? Uh, the, the goaltending is still like I'm not solidified on that. Samsonov's played better, but still not good. And Wall has been. He's been he's been solid. He's been very very solid, but again, he's not a proven goaltender. Uh, he's never been a starter, so it's it's a risky gamble again to you know hope that Wall can can do that. So who knows? Maybe they move Samsonov as well. Who knows? There's a, definitely a lot of options out there, especially if Klingberg gets moved to LTIR, free up four million dollars or so. That would help out a lot. So curious to hear what you guys think about what the Leafs could potentially do. And if you would trade Marner or Nylander. And another thing about the Leafs, or we'll stay with the Leafs for just a moment more. A uh, thing that's been driving me nuts about the Leafs, I swear, it's been going on for like 10 years now. And they, the bench freaking mar- miners right now are out of control. They're leading the league in bench miners. And this has been, I feel like this has been going on for a long, long time. And that's coming down to line changes. They, they're getting caught with too many men on the ice and they're taking stupid bench miners. You are a professional team with professional coaches. Like this is supposed to like this. Sh- this should be expected of some pee wee hockey, maybe some minor midget, whatever the heck. But NHL level and and for it to be happening this consistently, I feel like it's going on at least every three or four games. At least one bench miner. It's just so silly, man. It's such a waste, and I don't understand it. Like. It's it's not just Sheldon Keefe. Like there's been other coaches. I view Babcock has had problems with it. It's been a problem in Toronto. Is it? It's definitely. It can't be because the crowd is too loud. I feel like that's not an issue in Toronto. That's for sure. So what the heck is going on over there? Is it a lack of communication? Is like what what the heck? Is it something that the the league is aware of that they're able to catch Toronto on bad line changes? Like sometimes I notice that teams like to throw the puck over towards the Leafs bench when they're trying to change to try and force somebody that maybe shouldn't be touching the puck to touch the puck and force them to get a bench miner. But I feel like I'm not alone. I know me and the homie Kyle, we're always, every time there's a bench miner, we go off about it because it's like, we've seen this um, uh, way too many times 
for an NHL level team. So um, it's absolutely insane. I really wish they could they could figure that one out because it's just it's just not good. But on a good note with the Toronto Maple Leafs, a couple of good notes here. So Marner hitting 400 assists. That is the fastest in Toronto Maple Leafs history. Now, it's very impressive, no doubt. But, you know, the Leaf record book is not as impressive as you would think it is. Uh, they just haven't really had a ton of superstars or megastars in their time. And when they did, like Matt Sundin, for example, he played a majority of his time with Toronto during the dead puck era. So his numbers are definitely not up to uh, what he would have done if he was playing in a, in a not-so-clutch-and-grab league at that time because he was putting up 100-point seasons uh, on the Nordiques before he became a Toronto Meat Belief. I think he put up 100-point season with the Leafs, maybe two, but like I said, it's it was a different era at that time, but it's still impressive. It's going to be Matthews, Marner, and you know probably some Morgan Riley in there. They're going to be taking over a lot of the leader the, the history books, the leaderboards for the Toronto Maple Leafs history, which is great. I mean, it's awesome. I, it's great to see people of my era taking over the history books. That's cool for me. So Marner grabbing up uh, 400 assists, the fastest in Leaf history. Very, very impressive indeed. But I, what is more impressive? I don't know. Is it the is it the 400 assists or is it William Nylander's point streak reaching 17 games? What a fucking animal you are Nylander geez I seriously I'm gonna say it every time we talk about Willie kind of wish we signed him to that 10 million dollar extension now huh oh he's just absolutely a beast right now Uh, the highlights that I saw of William Nylander and the Leafs in Sweden he looked oh he just looks so fucking good man if he can carry that along a nice pace throughout the season keep it up that's always been his thing is just like bringing that the game every single game and i think this point streak is definitely you know firing him up to keep that bitch going so he's bringing it every game obviously the contract uh being there obviously uh, a motivator to keep him playing very very good his teammates are probably dishing him more passes than normal to get him some more some more goals you know lock up a little bit more money but it's great it's great for william nylander i love this point streak for him could he break the Gretzky one, which is, I think, 56 games, I believe, is the Gretzky point streak record? It's not the same record because this is off the beginning of the season. I don't know when that Gretzky one happened, but regardless, both are quite impressive. I believe this is the longest one in Leaf history, uh, so that's that's awesome for Willie, man. This is really awesome for him. I'm, I'm loving this season out of him. I would say he's the most entertaining Leaf to watch right now. Like, he, Matthews are having a lot of fun out there fucking Giordano I just love watching Giordano this season so impressed with with the with the old veteran out there still getting it done and yeah really really freaking impressive so speaking of impressive really impressive uh as of me recording this and recording this uh thir- Wednesday afternoon my apologies it's gonna be going up on Thursday so if things get missed my apologies but as of me recording this Vancouver Canucks captain Quinn Frickin' Hughes is leading the NHL in scoring at 30 points, and I, I think it's 16 games, but this is outrageously impressive, like, oh man, it's so good to see Quinn Hughes kind of getting his flowers a little bit this year. Will it continue throughout the whole entire season? 
Could he get 100 points? Could he outscore Makar? He is currently outscoring Makar. Makar hasn't played as many uh, as many games. So it's going to be a race between Makar and obviously the battle of health. If these two can stay healthy for the remainder of the season, which would be great for the NHL to see uh, these top tier NHL defensemen uh, battling for 100 point seasons. I think that would be an excellent storyline to follow throughout the year. But as of right now, Quinn Hughes is slaughtering it. It's, it's excellent to see that his all around game is really just there right now. And, Really awesome, man. Like, you know, I I loved uh, putting the C on him. Some people were like, oh, what about Patterson? Maybe JT Miller. There was a lot of like, oh, he could be or he could be a great captain or a disastrous captain. But I think, you know, even, you know, it's easy to say in hindsight, but I even said it then. I think Quinn Hughes was the right choice. And look at him go, man. Like, it's him and Pedersen and and JT Miller just running it right now. Thatcher Demko, extremely impressive. So, as of right now, I think I said this last week, if the, if the season ended for a horrible reason, uh, I would think, you know, Quinn Hughes is winning the Norris. But do we think Quinn Hughes is going to get the Norris all said and done? I, I mean, I think, yeah, why not? If he can keep this up, even if he just remains a point a game for the rest of the season, that's still going to get him to, I think it's going to still crack him 100 points. So he's been known to do a point a game, even if he slows down a little bit, this incredibly hot start is uh, definitely going to help him out this season. He's well on his way to having a career year. He's well on his way to uh, having his first double digits in goals. So that's really good. That's impressive. Makar's already, you know, he's done that a few times already. Quite impressive. So yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch going forward to see who is who is going to win. I mean, there's other defensemen out there as well. I mean, Morrissey, Heiskinen, Yossi, there's so I mean Sanderson in Ottawa has been excellent this season could he get a sniff at it it might be a little early but I think easily he's going to be in the conversation nomination I think I don't know man like lately you know with Adam Fox winning it and McCarr winning it at young ages hopefully the NHL has kind of shed that oh it's got to be a guy that's played for so and so many years but I at this point it's just undeniable man like these young defensemen are insane though so what do you think Makar Hughes somebody else who do you think's taking home the Norris this season right now I mean I, I gotta go with Hughes and I always like seeing guy different guys win it though it is fun to see like it would be nice to see someone like have a streak of Norris we haven't seen that since I think Lidstrom so that would also be really cool regardless it's pretty freaking key Speaking of pretty freaking cool, the Washington Capitals have been kind of messing around and playing really good lately. So they, in their last uh, 10 games, are 8-2, and two, believe it or not. Now, this one caught me off guard just a little bit because they were really, really not off to a great start at the beginning of the year. And lately, they're just playing really good. So this is excellent. And I think a lot, a lot of credit has to go to Charlie Lindgren. Charlie Sideburns. This guy has been playing absolutely lights out goaltending right now in five games. He's 4-1 and one with a 2.01 goals against average and a 
40 save percentage, one shutout. He's been excellent in Darcy Kemper's uh, absence. He is back now, Darcy Kemper, and he started okay. He's been kind of meandering a little bit lately, but... Thankfully, Charlie Sideburns coming in and saving the day yet again. I feel like this is not the first time he has done this in his career. And Ovechkin has... Uh, he's not scoring a lot of goals yet, but he's got 12 points in 15 games. I think that's really good for a 38-year-old freaking Alexander Ovechkin. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Five goals is a little bit low. I mean, that, that pace is not your typical Alexander Ovechkin pace. But again... He is Ovi. He is capable of potentially popping off at any moment. He could score 5-5 five and five and completely change his output uh, potential for the end of the season. So we're still waiting for that. Five goals, I mean, eh, it's, not, it's not incredible, but... And he's not leading the team in goals. That would actually be Dylan Strom. Uh, he's got seven goals, only the one assist. So he's kind of doing the Ovechkin thing right now. Uh, just, just the one apple. Very interesting. In 15 games, seven goals. That's pretty damn good. Uh, it's interesting, man. I mean, Tom Wilson's got 32 penalty minutes in 15 games. You know, he's kind of doing his thing. Eight points. I mean, not bad. It kind. I don't. You know, it's definitely just kind of come down to the goaltending. There's not a lot of numbers here that are shockingly eye-popping. I mean, I was kind of hoping for Rasmus Sandin to have a, a better start. He's only got four points in 15 games, no goals yet, just the four assists. He is a plus four, so <clears throat> playing decently. And, you know, there's not a lot of other names that are popping out other than, like, Dylan Strom is having a nice season. John Carlson's got nine points in 15 games. Only the one goal, so uh, Washington's still struggling a little bit here to get some goals into the net. But they, they're winning games right now, so they're back into the hunt. And it's really impressive. So good for the Washington Capitals. Good for Charlie Lindgren. I think at this point, he... It's hard to say that he's... I think tonight, uh, Darcy Kemper going in... I. Don't remember who they're playing, but if uh, Kemper struggles, they go back to Lindgren. Uh, Lindgren could potentially steal the job away. It'd be tough because they're paying Darcy Kemper quite a bit of money. And uh, Kemper's been solid for Washington since they got him there. So he's doing exactly what they're paying him for. I would expect Kemper to get back to business. But doesn't hurt to have a little Charlie Lindgren there. And also Hunter Shepard was called up and won both of the games that he was in with a 9.15 save percentage. So solid right there. We'll see if the Capitals can keep rolling. But pretty darn good, man. Pretty darn good. Speaking of pretty darn good, the Los Angeles Kings. So this is an interesting team right here. Playing good. Playing really freaking good on the road. They are 8-0 on the road. Playing excellent road hockey right now. And that's important. You know, that, that goes a long way in the playoffs. It's a, you know, it's a big deal if you can beat a team on the road that can really get into the head of the opponent, that can really take the crowd out of it. And it's a big momentum swing if you can take that, especially if you are coming in uh, to a series, the underdog, on the road, and you're a road warrior team. And that could be a big deal. That could, uh, before you even get on the ice, get onto into a team's head. So that's great for the Los Angeles Kings. The only problem is they're not playing very good at home. Currently, they are 3-3-3 three, three, and three at home. So not very good, winning only three games out of nine Three, yeah, nine. That's not that's not great. So they're gonna have to try and figure that one out. 
I really, you know, that has always kind of been an anomaly to me. What is it? I don't know. Are they, do they get to have a little bit more fun on the road? Maybe the guys just like traveling on, on, in Los Angeles. They like getting on the road. Who knows? Maybe they just like silencing buildings. Some teams love doing that. I know every team that comes into Toronto loves to silence that Toronto crowd. It's kind of the thing over here in Toronto, but yeah, man, uh, Los Angeles, that's just a really, really interesting stat that they're playing with right now. They they need to clean that up. Uh, I, I don't expect them to go 41-0 and on the road and, and continue with this record at home. One thing's going to give. It's rather they're, they're going to start evening out a little bit on the road. I mean, they can continue to have a very good road record for the remainder of the season, but it's definitely uh, not necessarily a red flag yet. I will give it a yellow flag for the home record of the Los Angeles. Angeles Kings, but got to shout out my boy Trevor Moore, former Toronto Maple Leaf, absolutely killing it over there right now in Los Angeles. Lots of underrated players over there in Los Angeles, man. Let's just let's swing over, take a look at some of the stats for Los Angeles. But Trevor Moore, man, in uh, let me see, I have I have his stuff written down in. I think, oh, geez, I don't know how many fucking, I didn't write down how many games he's played, but nine goals, six assists, 17 points for Trevor Moore, man. And he's been playing really good hockey for the Kings ever since he got there. He's been a really solid player for them for quite some time. And I I enjoyed Trevor Moore when he was a Toronto Maple Leaf, but really good to see him doing well with the with the Los Angeles Kings. I know um, Adrian Kempe was off to a little bit of a slow start. I I do recall me trying to pick him up off a certain someone uh, in fantasy hockey, trying to steal him away at a low price. Didn't bite, so I'm a little sad because he popped off right after that. Uh, 17 games, 18 points. Fiala right there, 17 points. In 17 games, Anze Kopitar, same thing, 17 points, 17 games, the guy doesn't miss a beat. And Quentin Byfield, baby, looks like this is the breakout season for him, 17 games, 15 points, only three goals, but I don't think he came in uh, as necessarily a goal-scoring prospect. Talked about Trevor Moore, 15 points in 17 games, Philip Deneau, 12 and 17. So they're they're getting it done here in Los Angeles, and the goaltending man, Cam Talbot, he's emerged as the as the starter for Los Angeles right now. He's a 9-3-1 record with a 2.02 goals against and a 9.30 save percentage. So Cam Talbot has found has found his game here in, in L.A. If he can keep that going for the remainder of the season. And, you know, Phoenix Copley's definitely got to step up. Only got an 8.45 right now, so that's a struggle and a half. Only got the five games under his belt, so... Got to clean that one up right there, but Cam Talbot absolutely slaughtering it right now with the Kings. So figure out that home record, and L.A. for the last couple of years for me has been my dark horse out of the West. They're a scary team. They just keep pulling freaking Edmonton in the first round. So uh, at this point, L.A. would destroy Edmonton, but who knows? We'll see how that goes. Speaking, well, I just brought up Edmonton, so let's talk about them. So... They were doing okay last week. You now they're winning their their games with the new coach, but now they're starting to lose some games and some of the old problems that they had are coming back already. So I mean, coaching changes are it's a band-aid fix. It doesn't necessarily well it doesn't fix the team all the way, especially if you're as flawed of a team 
as the Oilers appear to be. So, I mean, uh, they, they brought up Calvin Picard. Uh, they finally used him, and that didn't solve the goaltending problem. He got lit up. He didn't do too great. I mean, Skinner hasn't been excellent either. They've been shitty on the road. They're 2-7-0 and on the road, so not getting any help there. And they've also made a very interesting decision. Uh, I mean, it's good for Connor Brown that they're going to re- let him continue playing, but that also means they're going to have to pay him a $4 million bonus, which gets tacked on to their salary cap next year. And yeah, the salary cap is going up. Uh, 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 what do you call it? A rumored $4 million, but bam, you just handed it over to Connor Brown already. So what the... Okay, so... And Connor Brown hadn't put up any points yet. And yeah, so very, very interesting decision. I, I talked about it last week. I thought it was a done deal that you know it looked like Connor Brown's gonna have to walk and and he'll probably get an opportunity with another team but no he's going to remain with Edmonton and I mean good for him I really like Connor Brown as a player I hope he finds it like 10 games isn't that much and for how much hockey he's missed he could find it in 20 games so I hope he does for for the sake of Edmonton Uh, they definitely need Connor Brown to find it as well really help out with uh, some depth scoring over there. And then there's Jack Campbell. So Campbell was struggling mightily last week in the minors, and now he's posted a shutout. So that's excellent. That's a great sign. Uh, it's it's only one game. It's a one great game for him. So hopefully that is a sign of, of Jack Campbell turning it around. He could get called back up at some point. But as of right now, I don't think the Oilers are, are very interested in, in bringing him back up. But, you know, Picard didn't solve the issues yet either. So, yeah, Edmonton, interesting. You know, honestly, I, I don't know if I would want to keep Holland uh, in there or whoever the hell is pulling the strings back there in Edmonton. But, again, really, really interesting giving Connor Brown that money. So that's that's definitely going to come up again next season when they don't have any money. Uh, uh, more than likely going to run out of money again. And the Connor Brown, what if Connor Brown's not even playing for them? And they're they're giving him a four, like, ugh. So that is a, a little bit of a ugh. So, um, yeah, speaking of ugh, Columbus Blue Jackets, ladies and gentlemen, it is getting worse and worse by the day. So Patrick, Patrick Line A, it was a healthy scratch, and, and he was embarrassed. He says, oh, I'm super embarrassed, and you should be. Honestly, uh, making that much money, getting healthy scratched, uh, obviously a message sent by management, uh, coaches and stuff, like doesn't matter who you are, what you are, you're not bigger than the Columbus Blue Jackets, we'll, we'll bench you if you're playing like shit. So a shot fired to Patrick Laine and Goudreau. He was benched as well. And um, yeah, man, their losing streak continues. I think it's at nine games now, eight, nine games. So rough, really rough. And on top of that, Severson is out for six weeks. So they lose one of their new defensemen. It's getting ugly in Columbus, man. There's definitely going to be a change after. I can't see Kekalainen remaining with the with the Blue Jackets for after this season. It's been rough. It's it's. It, they're, are they doing worse than they did last year? I mean, they've sent down, they sent down, I think it was Kent Johnson. He's playing great down there. So what the heck is going on with the Columbus Blue Jackets? I think they sent down another young guy as well. And I believe he's playing well 
down in the minors as well. So is that a good move? Is that a bad move? Is that a development problem? Is that a coaching problem? I don't know. Fantilli hasn't, you know, changed the world for the Columbus Blue Jackets, but neither has Goudreau, Line A. For some reason, they just keep trying Line A at center. I don't know why they're doing that. He's never been a center. He's always been a winger. He's always been productive, uh, more so as a winger. So I have no friggin' idea. That's just how desperate they are for centers. They are hunting for one. At this point, I don't know what center is out there. I mean, they could potentially go after Lindholm because, I mean, Lindholm has been putting up some points lately right after I dropped him in fantasy. You're welcome. You're welcome. I knew that was going to get him going. I'm like, if I drop him, he's going to get points. So, you know, I'm going I'm to lose in fantasy, but at least the Flames are winning out here in real life. So that's more important, right? So you're welcome. So Lindholm's putting some points in. There, there could be a fit there for Lindholm going over there. He's good center. He's played with Goudreau before, so it could it could make some sense. But I don't think you know I don't think Columbus has a lot of money to play with either. So I don't know. There could be something they can do with that. What does Columbus have that Calgary wants? They have young players, but you know you're not going to get a Fantilli. Could you steal a Ken Johnson away from them? That'd be tough. Sillinger, doubt it. Uh, a young defenseman over there, I doubt it. It's it's tough. I, I doubt you're getting either of the two that they just drafted. The boot, and uh, I don't know who the fuck the other guy was, but yeah, who knows? That's the, it's a potential landing spot maybe for Lindholm. It's a team desperate for a center. Calgary could move a center, and their young centers have been playing good. Connor Shari, Zari, whatever. He's been playing good, man. He's a 2020 first round pick, like in the 20s. And, you know, really good to see that some of the players out of those COVID drafts are starting to emerge a little bit. So that's a good sign. It was really unfair for those. Like, it's hard to judge that draft class because they were fucked over by COVID. They missed out on years of development. That's just, that really sucks. That's difficult to get through. And it's good to see the young guys in Calgary are getting it going. So. Again, that's kind of remaining. the The flames are still, like, they're they're yeah, they're 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 yeah, they aren't dead. They aren't dead. We will look at the standings. We'll 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 double check and make sure. But um, I, th- I think we'll just let's just look at the standings now. I think I think it's time. So it is tradition uh, for uh, everyone to look at the standings around American Thanksgiving because statistics have shown it is a very difficult. Uh, Not impossible, but difficult for teams outside of the playoffs to make the playoffs uh, outside of American Thanksgiving. It has happened. Everyone brings up St. Louis winning the cup. Yes, that is a one-time thing, but there have been teams. Calgary has done it a couple times in recent memory, uh, coming down outside of the playoffs before in and around American Thanksgiving, and they have made their way into a playoff spot before, so... We'll take a look through the standings and see which ones uh, are in a playoff spot as of right now and uh, the ones that aren't. And we'll see which ones could fall out potentially and which ones maybe could get their way back into a playoff third. So, spot. Let's start with the Western Conference. So, currently in the Central Division, we got Dallas, Colorado, and the Winnipeg Jets holding off the top three spots. We got 25 points for Dallas, Colorado, and Winnipeg at 22 points. In the Pacific Division, you got Vegas, Vancouver, and the Los Angeles Kings. 28 points for Vegas, 27 for Vancouver, and 25 for Los Angeles. 
So now in the wild card, you got St. Louis and the Seattle Kraken have battled their way back into wild card spots. So this is enlightening. Uh, St. Louis, a team that I felt has a good chance of bouncing back, and it looks like they are. And I mean, I didn't necessarily expect Jordan Bennington to be one of the main reasons behind that, but Thompson has been Thomas Thomas has been playing quite good. Kairu still has been struggling to find his way but the defense has been playing better this season and of course Bennington and Hofer has played quite well for the Blues this season they're holding it off at 19 points apiece the Kraken this is surprising to me now they're getting a lot of overtime uh, points right here they got five overtime losses on the board along with eight regulation losses with only seven regulation wins so uh, that's not a great record but they're holding it at 19 points. So the team's looking on the outside starting from... Okay, let's start from the bottom uh, and and we'll determine if they will make it or not. San Jose rocking a solid seven points right now. They've made it all the, all the way up to three regulation wins now with 14 regulation losses. Fair to say, San Jose... You're done. You're toast. Yeah, so they're done. Chicago Blackhawks up next. They got five regulation wins. They got ten points. Uh, the good thing about Chicago is Bedard is playing well on his own, and he is starting to develop a little bit of chemistry with Koroshev. So uh, if you are interested, uh, Koroshev is currently a point of game player for the Chicago Blackhawks. He may be a fantasy asset for some people out there, myself included. I picked him up. So just so if you're curious, that's kind of a thing going on with Chicago. That's good. Uh, they're done. They're, they're, it's not going to happen. I don't think they would want it to happen. And I just think in the, wrong, in the long run, uh, the team just isn't strong enough. They're, they're playing decently, but they're, you know, they're not getting blown out necessarily every single game. Uh, they definitely haven't had losses like San Jose getting blown out 10 plus 10 goals in back-to-back games. So Chicago doing what they should be doing. You know, they should be a lottery team. They should get another solid player into the lineup, but the story is Connor Bedard and Kurashev underratedly. Not enough people talk about Kurashev. He's playing really good too and could be a big part of the future uh, potentially for Chicago. And now Edmonton. So they're at 11 points now. They only got five wins too. So they're with Chicago. Uh, not good. And they have an extra game on hand. So uh, the thing about Edmonton is they do in fact have McDavid and Dreisaitl who... They're playing better. They're getting goals now. And uh, are, are they enough to get Edmonton back? I mean, like I said, they haven't pl- been playing great as of late, letting in a lot of goals again. And if you don't have goaltending, then you just, you're not going to make it. And Picard hasn't been the answer. Uh, Campbell, who knows how long it's going to take for him to build the confidence up. And it's only going to take probably one, two bad games to, to shake them again. So, yeah, and Skinner has been worse than Campbell. So, yeah, that's scary. It's really hard to uh, think that the Edmonton Oilers can make it into the playoffs. They, shit, man, like, they're they're back eight points on on the Kraken and St. Louis. Now, they do have three games in hand on Seattle, so that's encouraging. Uh, but they got to start winning, and as of right now, I, I, I can't, I can't say they're gonna make it, man. I really don't think they're gonna make it, and it could potentially be a fucking disaster for Edmonton. I don't want it to happen, but I, I cannot at this point say that they're going to make it. Not with the, they just haven't been. They, 
Yeah. Yeah. It's no, I can't. I can't do it. I'm sorry. Edmonton. Yeah. Minnesota. 17 games. They got five regulation wins and 14 points on the board. So, yeah, goaltending has been really rough for Minnesota as well. And I was not expecting that coming into the season. Their goaltending was so excellent, especially Gustafson, and he just hasn't been himself this season. And kind of everyone on Minnesota hasn't been quite themselves. Kaprizov hasn't been quite Kaprizov this season. They haven't been getting consistent depth scoring from their players. Hartman's been kind of up and down. So uh, I would say no to Minnesota as well. My apologies. Nashville, they're kind of meandering as well. They have some decent games. Ryan O'Reilly has been a good addition for the team. He's been playing good. Uh, That loss of Novak, that really hurts for them. I mean, he is a good young player for that team. Forsberg's been playing good. I mean, it's nice to see him off to a good start. Uh, If he, you know, tradition, from what I remember with Forsberg, he always has a absolutely insane back half. He generally, like, leads the league in points and stuff. Uh, But who knows if those days are over or not. For Nashville, they're... They have the three games in hand again, which is encouraging. I just don't think they, I don't think, I mean, Soros hasn't been quite lights out. You can't put it on him. The guy, he's already done so much for Nashville already, but yeah, they'd have to put a lot more on his plate and they're one injury to Soros away from being absolutely dead in the water. So I'm going to have to say no to Nashville as well. And now we get into some teams that are pretty interesting. So we got the Flames at 17 points, seven regulation wins. They have been trending upwards, but now me as a Flames fan, I think they should sell the farm. I think they should, uh, at this point, trade off Lindholm. Thankfully, they put an end to those talks. Apparently, there was a $60 million contract on the table for him, but apparently both parties have put a pause to that. So, thank you. And uh, yeah, I think it's time to sell the farm on Calgary. It's... It's just, it looks like an an influx of the younger players has been good. Uh, Yeah, you want to have veteran players. I think you can also acquire some veteran players, uh, middle six ones with also some rather solid good draft picks or some solid good young prospects as well. I think Calgary has some decent prospects already, but they're going to have to try and replenish some of that defense. There's so many of them that they're going to want to move. So you're going to want to try and fill up that cupboard a little bit. So... Me, I don't want them to make it, but if, because I just think that's going to be detrimental to their future. If they make it, that means they're going to be keeping Lindholm and everybody, and then they're going to have, rather, all of them walk, none of them walk, and they sign them to bad contracts, or, yeah, I just, I don't know, man. For me, personally, I would like Calgary to... To, to sell off the farm, honestly. But I wouldn't be shocked if they make it. But for me, I'm going to say, nah, nah, nah for Calgary. And that hurts. I'm a Flames fan. I don't want that to happen. But for the sake of their long-term future, this is an important teeter-tottering situation. They have all this value with one year left, and I think they need to move off of all of it. it maybe you can keep one defenseman. If you if you want, want to keep, like... Uh, I mean, Zadorov doesn't want to stay. If you wanted to keep a, a, a Tanev around, I can understand if you wanted to keep him just one. Because there may not be a lot of value behind him, so it may be best for them to keep him. But we'll see where that goes. For me, I think it's in the best interest of the Flames to miss the playoffs and, and start tanking. Like, if you sell off the farm, like, start going down, but have the young players uh, you get some confidence, play, put up points and shit. Who knows? Arizona. 
I like Arizona, man. I really do. Eight wins in 18 games, 18 points. They're right behind the Kraken. Oh, boy, man. They just, oh, they're just, there's, it's so hard to say that Arizona could make the playoffs. I want them to. I really do. Ingram's been playing solid for them in net. Uh, offensively, pretty underrated. I mean, Lawson Kraus might be one of the one of the most just hidden secrets of the NHL. Like, I, I'm a little bit shocked that this guy gets zero attention, honestly, for the player that he is. He's massive. He hits everything. He will fight anything. He He's just he's a truck and he scores goals. He puts up points. Like he's amazing. And he's on a good contract and he's dusting right now in Arizona. I love that guy. He's a great player. Clayton Keller, super good. Schmaltz is another super underrated player. They're a good little team, man. And if they can, they're really good at bringing in defensemen and making them look really, really good. Gostas bear like restarted his career in Arizona. He's been playing fucking great for, Wherever the hell he is right now, wherever he's at, he's been playing good uh, from what I can remember. But maybe Zona could add, add for the first time. They've been talking about that, right? I mean, they brought in guys. I know Kerfoot's done nothing, but eh, they could bring in something that will do something. And they have assets to do it. They got a lot of prospects. They got picks. So I... I would prefer, honestly, Arizona going in over Seattle. I mean, I, no offense to the Kraken. I do like the Kraken, but I th- I would love to see Arizona get in there. That would be so much fun. It would kind of suck for, like, it would be a lot of fun for Arizona and the and the home fans there, but they're in that small building. And, and if they made it into the playoffs for the first time in so many years, uh, legit, uh, that would kind of stink because there would be a lot more people you would think wanting to go there, but maybe they can just make it a bigger area for the outdoors. Regardless, I'm going to say, yeah, I think Arizona has a shot to get in there. And now the Ducks. Mm, the Ducks have been like scary good and, and Zegris now going on injured reserve, I believe now. So he's been dealing with something that explains a lot why he's done absolutely nothing, but... The other young players on this team have been good. Like, the veteran players that they brought in have made a difference for this team. Like, Gudis has made an impact on the Ducks. And honestly, going back, thinking about it right here, we discussed some of those hot takes uh, coming into the season that I think Sportsnet put out here. And they said, like, oh, the Anaheim Ducks are going to make a, a... uh, noticeable impact in the West this season. And you know what? I snickered at that. I was like, well, of course they're going to make an impact, a bigger impact than they did last season. They're absolutely garbage. But I think that, you know what? They're right. They're right. They've made a bigger impact than I've thought. Leo Carlson oddly has been getting scratched here and there. So, but he's been playing good. So I think they're on the fence right now of like, should we keep him up and burn the year? He's been playing good, not great. Do we need him here with McTavish playing so well and other players pitching in? Goaltending's been good. Like, I would, again, I would like to see the Ducks get in there. Yeah, I think they absolutely have a chance. Now, the Kraken, they're in there right now, but I can see them falling out. That would be the team I could see, rather, the Ducks, Arizona, or, you know, if Calgary's going to do this to me, I could see it's going to be Seattle that falls out in in what I would think. They got the games in hand, and they only got one point up, two points at best over Calgary. So it's it's rough. It's it's not a guarantee that Zona, An- Anaheim, Calgary win those games in hand. That's 
that's part of it. They could blow that. They could blow that games in hand lead and Seattle can go on a winning streak. They could start to turn it around, which apparently they must have been because they're they're in a wild card spot. Uh, I mean, we know that the West has been kind of struggling and meandering a little bit with a lot of mediocrity and Edmonton, a lot of teams being way worse than expected, Calgary and Edmonton. So, yeah, I mean, I think Seattle's holding a spot right now, but yeah, I think the Kraken have the best potential here to fall out and 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 remain out of the playoff spot. But for right now, they're in there. Could they hold on to it potentially? Maybe, but I don't think so, honestly. Now the Blues, they hold on to the top wildcard spot with 19 points, 17 games. So they got games in hand over the three teams behind uh, them. They got three in hand on Seattle. So again, they can lose them, but they've been playing good lately. And if the goaltending continues, which we're 17 games in now, so... I'm still not 100% sold that Bennington can keep this up. And maybe he's like one bad night in Boston away from just fucking imploding and having a horrible season. Like if if someone in Boston gets in his face and he tries to fight somebody and then wham, it's over uh, for Binner and that's it. So but, you know, for my fantasy team, I hope he's fine. But I would like the Blues to remain in the playoffs. I think they're a solid team, man. I still, I don't, I think it was a little bit, of just an all-around down year. Lots of injury problems for them. And I think they stepped up this year. I mean, honestly, now that um, uh, the Sandheim for Tory Krug trade actually, you know, maybe was would have been fantastic for uh, the Blues. I thought that would... I was, like, actually so shocked that someone was going after Sandheim because he's been generally a disaster, but he's been playing great this season. He's been fed freaking fantastic so i don't know maybe it was the, the 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 thought of like oh wow someone wanted me and that's nice so maybe if i play really good and uh another team wants me then maybe i'll be allowed to leave but no he wasn't allowed to leave to go to st louis but he's been playing great for the flyers so that's interesting i would like the blues to remain and in terms of the three teams that are in the pacific vegas vancouver and los angeles I think all three of those teams are staying there. In terms of Dallas, Colorado, and Winnipeg, I like Winnipeg, man. They've been underratedly good this year, and people are still not sold on them. And if Hellebuck can clean it up just a little bit more, Kyle Connor is leading, is tied with lead leaguing. Uh, let's try that one again. Kyle Connor is tied with Matthews in the most goals this season right now, and and no one talks about Kyle Connor. The guy's absolutely stud. Colorado, they've been kind of struggling, but I think they're going to even out and they'll be just dandy. And Dallas, uh, their top stars haven't been quite themselves yet with Robertson and shit, so I think they will be just fine. Yeah, man, I think I think that's how it could shake out. I could see Seattle falling out. I would like to see St. Louis and one of Anaheim or Arizona make it for the sake of the Calgary Flames. Please just miss this year and, and get a decent pick and move off of those assets. All right, let's move over to the Eastern Conference now. So uh, currently at the top of the Atlantic, you got Boston, 29 points. They're still ridiculous with a 13-1-3 record, only one regulation loss. So, yeah, I think it's pretty safe to say they're a lock. Florida, they've been doing good. I expected them to do good this season. They're off to a honestly a better start than I was expecting with Montour and Ekblad being out but they're on their way back so the Panthers are only going to get better so I think yeah I thought they were going to be good to make it into the playoffs it looked like they found their game 
under Paul Maurice in the playoffs last season, so I expected that to continue. Barkov's been fantastic, so yeah, I'm good with Florida sticking there. The Leafs, you know, obviously I'm still a little bit nervous right there. They're 22 points. Uh, There's, you know, there are teams on their heels. Uh, I mean, yeah, obviously I think the Leafs are going to make it. It's just like, you know, there's still problems with this team. Uh, they have been trending upwards lately. A lot of Some of those problems have been fixing themselves. You know, Ryan Reeves out of the lineup has helped out a lot. They could fix, potentially have the Klingberg problem kind of fix itself if he goes on long-term injured reserve. And, you know, Domi has found a line mate with Robertson and Nice. So that's been good. And Bertuzzi has found his game. It's just the defense and goaltending is still a question mark. More so the goal, the defense, sorry. Goaltending, I'm pretty fucking sold on Wallman. I'm a big fan of him. So yes, the Leafs, I think are good to go. Now the Metropolitan's interesting. Got the Rangers up there. I think they're a lock. They've been excellent, even without Shesterkin being 100%. They've been fantastic. Panarin, different level this season. Lafreniere looks like he's breaking out. Kako, not so much, but maybe if Hedl comes back, he might be back now. But, uh, yeah, man, the Rangers, they got a pretty nice, uh, nice spot right now. Good cushion in the Metro, 25 points. Next up is Philadelphia, 21 points. They've been playing good again, man. They've won five in a row. They might be on more than that, but currently on a five-plus winning streak, which is very impressive, man. They continue to be solid. Like, it's hard to count them out, but it's, oh, man, I don't know. Like, bringing, like having Couturier and Atkinson coming back healthy has been fantastic for them. Their defense has stepped up. Like I said, Sanheim's been playing very, very good for them. Caught a hot. He's been playing good. He's just got to stay healthy. Philadelphia is a very, very interesting team, man. Um, I can't say they're a lock. (coughs) Excuse me. It's hard to say that that's a lock. Let me see. So you got Pittsburgh. They're down there. New Jersey currently out of a spot. I mean, they're bound to get back in there once Jack Hughes is back healthy and stuff. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I can't put Philadelphia as a lock at 21 points. Uh, they have more games played than than most of the teams in uh, in this division. Uh, Philadelphia's at 18. Like, Washington's at 15 games. They got 20 points. Philadelphia has 21. So, Washington right now are killing it. Doing way better than expected. Uh, Charlie Lindgren could potentially fuck around and get him into the playoffs. Not a lock, Washington. It's going to be hard for a lot of these teams to be locks in the Metro because the Metro's tight. And there's still good teams underneath them that uh, could could get in there. But Washington right now, man, I would love for them to get in there. That'd be sick. Another like final renaissance for, for uh, OV to get back into the playoffs. And I think it would be such a fun story for Washington-Pittsburgh to make it back in this year after they both missed it last year and for them both to meet in the first round. If that's a possibility, that would be so freaking cool. So I'm rooting for Washington to make it. And then the wild card, you got Tampa and Carolina holding on to the top wild card. Tampa, 19 games played, 9 wins, 22 points, but they got Vasilevsky on their on his way back. Now, it's a really good gamble to say that Vasilevsky will get the Tampa Bay Lightning back on track goaltending-wise. Johnson and uh, the other guy, they've, you know, kept the boat from sinking. They've been just fine. They've given them... I would say almost more than expected. They've been around average. So that's 
as as much as you can ask out of them. They got a couple shutouts in there, so they've they've been good uh, with that. So Vasilevsky coming back, it's it's really hard to count out Tampa Bay getting back into that spot, but you know it it could be a potential season where. Uh, Four teams make it in the Atlantic and two in the Metro. That could happen. I Again, I still don't really understand how the playoff shit works, but uh, yeah, that could be a situation because the Metro appears to be a little bit weaker right now, but they do have teams on the rise, which is, you know, interesting. So Tampa, it's a good gamble to say that Vasilevsky can get them back in there. They're not far out. They're, they're tied with the Leafs, and the Leafs, you know, they're not. I'm not 100% sold yet with the Leafs. You know what I'm saying? I, I wouldn't, I'm not giving the Leafs a lock, necessarily. I, I hope it is, but can't give it to them just yet. Tampa's on their heels, so I can see Tampa, absolutely. It's still Tampa, but again, who's to say that? What if Vasilevsky comes back too early and he hurts himself again? What if he's not Vasilevsky right away and, they, and it actually gets him in a bigger hole? And what if Braden Point, someone gets hurt? Like, their offense has been okay, but they've lost a lot of pieces over the years, and... At some point, the the wall's gonna have to crumble with Tampa Bay after all those cup wins. Like they're gonna have to, you know, they're gonna have, they paid the piper with the first round picks, paying a fortune for Janot. Is this the year where they miss it? Who knows? I'm not sold on Tampa yet. Carolina, you know, the goaltending has been up and down a little bit. Their their defense looks like it's just. I think they have too many defense, and they need they need to pick which ones they want. They might need to get rid of someone or something. Brett Burns hasn't been quite there yet. He's older, so, I mean, it's expected that some at some point his point production would fall. But, yeah, Carolina's been kind of a little bit mediocre, honestly. Like, their home record's good, but they're struggling on the road. Uh, 17 games, so they have games in hand over Philadelphia. So, I could definitely see, like, you know, it's it's hard, right? Like, you got these powerhouse teams still down here, like New Jersey. Like, it's hard to count them out. It's I know they've fallen, but they've been so injury-plagued. Like, everybody's getting injured in New Jersey. But what if that gets them out of the playoffs? What if the injuries is just the story of New Jersey this season and they miss? And what if Hughes gets hurt again? So... There's a lot of variables, right? That's that's the NHL. That's why it's it's kind of fun to talk about. But yeah, it's hard to count out Carolina. They're such a stacked team with uh, nice goaltending on paper. But yeah, offensively, like Savetchnikov hasn't gotten it going yet since returning. Kotkaniemi's kind of kind of fallen asleep a little bit here at the wheel. Uh, Natchez has not just he just has not gotten it going this season so Carolina I'm you know they're not a lock to get back in there but you know I can't count them out just yet Detroit uh 17 games 19 points they had a great start but they've definitely been off they've only won one out of the last four games here one out of the last five sorry so not ideal. It does look like they're kind of slipping now. They had a great start with the Brinkett, but yeah, I wasn't sold on their team coming in. Goaltending's been iffy. So yeah, I don't think Detroit, I think Detroit's going to have another year kind of similar to last season where I don't know how much they're going to sell off. They really sold the farm quite a bit there last year and, and really tried to drop themselves down, which I think was a very smart decision. They ended up getting a better pick and a stacked draft. They're not going to get the same results doing that with this draft. It's not anywhere near as stacked, apparently. So, sadly, Detroit fans, I don't think you're, it's going to be this year either. But at least Debrinkat's having fun. That's key. Now, Pittsburgh, another very interesting one right here. So, 
<sighs> like I said, I would love to see Pittsburgh, Washington make it in there, battle each other. But Pittsburgh, like they've been doing okay. They're they haven't like really gotten it going a hundred percent yet. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Carlson looks like he's finding his way, but he's not playing like he was in San Jose. I wasn't expecting him to playing better. I mean, he's been playing better. They've been decent with the health. Brian Russ, now he's hurt, uh, but hopefully not long-term. He's been great. Gensel's been great. Uh, It's just kind of the other guys haven't been up to par. Raquel has been struggling this year. Uh, I feel like uh, there's another guy that on that team that's not been doing so hot, but yeah, man. I mean, at least Crosby Malkin's been doing pretty good and stuff like that. But, yeah, goaltending, not, I mean, it's not been ideal, right? So, Pittsburgh, I would like to see them get back in there, but I'm not sold on them yet. You got New Jersey, really good for a good chance for them to get back in there if they get healthy. They've they've only won one game of their last five, so they've been struggling, man. They've been struggling. I wasn't sold on that goaltending tandem coming in, and it looks like, yeah, it's it has not been doing uh doing great for them right now so new jersey really needs to get uh jack hughes back in the lineup and have him get back to his dominating ways but new jersey's had a ton of history with injuries with these players so it's it's a risky one new i could see new jersey missing it through injuries uh but if they're healthy yeah they should be a lock to get back in there but they might have to find a goaltender man they just might now the Islanders, oh man, so they've been god-awful, they finally won a game, finally, so that's good, but they've been bad, and I don't think they're going to make it, I think they're going to fall off, and they're, they're going to have a rough one, uh, Sorokin hasn't been himself this year, uh, the, the guys that tend to score on this team, like Brock Nelson and Anders Lee are, you know, they're getting another year older, Brock, Brock Nelson has been solid lately, but Anders Lee hasn't been getting the goals, Barzell hasn't gone off on a on a scoring spree like I was hoping he would and yeah their defense and goaltending just hasn't been the New York Islanders you know staple it hasn't been very good especially Sorokin Sorokin has not been playing like himself and they're blowing a lot of leads which is not Islander like so yeah the moving off of Barry Trotz probably and definitely was a bad idea and it hasn't been working so I don't think the Islanders are going to make it either and now we get to Buffalo oh dear oh dear oh dear buffalo 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 what is going on with you guys like they just can't get it going this year i think thompson's hurt now levi's coming back so you know he hasn't changed the world yet it's a good team man they just they can't fucking get out of their own way i think like i don't know what it is there's definitely a voodoo around buffalo and it kind of looks like they're not going to make it now so you got some powerhouse teams ahead of them they got Ottawa behind them with three games in hand. They got everyone in front of them's got games in hand except for Tampa Bay. And um, uh, they're tied with Philadelphia. So, yeah, they don't have the games in hand bonus at all. And they're behind already. Not by a lot. I mean, it's only three points behind Carolina. But, you know, three points is bigger than people think. Like, it's really hard to reclaim points. And the teams in front of them they just seem better than Buffalo right now. I don't think banking on young goaltending was maybe the right call necessarily. And yeah, maybe some of the guys were not living up to the, the season that they had last year is what I'm trying to say. I guess like some guys just haven't gotten it to going to the level that they were last year. So I can't say it looks like Buffalo may not make it again, man. Doesn't look good. 
Ottawa has some potential because they have 15 games played. They've won eight of them and lost seven. They got 16 points, so they have the three games in hand. If they can win, it's definitely going to help their chances. I think Ottawa's still not dead in the water just yet. They've been winning lately. They won four of the last five. That's good. Uh, They're definitely going to get a bonus out of that uh, Sweden trip with Daniel Alfredson behind the bench. That seemed to boost the team up quite a bit, so... They can, you know, get back from Sweden and and remain get their feet underneath them quick and and get back running into uh, their regular schedule back in Canada, North America, whatever the fuck. And maybe Alfredson sticks around. He appears to be a good luck charm. Sanderson's been ridiculous. They just got to get that goaltending going. Corpusalo's got to find his game man, and so does Forsberg. So they can get some wins with the goaltending. Ottawa could, so I'm not I'm not dead on Ottawa yet. I think they have a chance. Montreal, not so much. I think it's it's their drop off has come. They've lost their last four in a row, and yeah, it's it, it's that's fine. I think this is part of the plan. Uh, it looks like the goaltending is starting to cool off after a hot start. There are conversations between the Habs and Montenbo if they will or will not sign him. I don't know. He's 27. It's a really tough call. He's been playing good lately. He's played probably his best hockey in Montreal. It's been a good home for him, but it all comes down to the price and I guess the fit. Like I think mostly it would come down to term and price, honestly. I think if if you wants like more than three years, I'd be like, nah, I don't think that's a it's too long of a gamble. And I, I just don't think he's going to get a whole lot better he's 27 so I think he kind of is what he is I think he needs the team in front of him to get better so he could I'd like him to stick around I think it's been a good home for him I think Jake Allen would be the one that they should move off of but he's got a price tag on him so yeah he's harder to move but Montreal is doing what they they should be doing man like Suzuki Caulfield playing great Uh, Still not getting a lot out of Caulfield, but some of the defense looks good. And Montreal's not complete yet. A lot of their young prospects aren't here yet. So uh, patience is going to be needed still with Montreal. I don't think they're making it. I think they're, they're out. They're done. They're dead. Sorry. And speaking of dead, the Columbus Blue Jackets, they're dead. They just can't stop losing and they're not going to be able to get themselves out of this hole they're very behind now they're the farthest behind they're dead last in the east 12 points next up is Montreal with 16 so they're four behind second last place so they're Dunyan rings it's over for Columbus and it's going to be a rough ride man it's going to be a rough rough ride for the Columbus Blue Jackets and yeah, so that's the standings right there. What do you guys think? Which teams could? Who's fallen out? Who will make it? Who won't make it? Interested to hear what you guys think about the standings. Uh, we do have a little bit more news here. So uh, good and bad. So we'll start with the bad and we'll finish with something good. So Boston Bruins, Milan Lucic has been arrested for a domestic dispute, uh, domestic violence dispute. I don't want to get into it too much. It's uh, it's unfortunate. I don't like. I don't know anything about the situation, so I'm not going to talk like I know about what went down. I'm just telling you, homie got fucking arrested. Saw the saw the picture, and it sucks, man. Like I I don't know of a history of Lucic and and family abuse or anything like that. But it's not a cool. It's not good, man. Like don't fucking hit people. Keep your hands to yourselves. You know we're taught we're taught that at, at four years old and stuff. So. Uh, that is a situation that is going on with the Bruins. Uh, Lucic will be stepping away from the team. 
you know, he didn't have a huge role with Boston. It was a homecoming. It was a nice story, but now it's kind of turned a little bit sour. So that's not cool. So let's let's touch on something a little bit nice right here. Uh, the Dallas Stars will be unveiling a Mike Medano statue on March 16th. I think by far the, the most recognizable, uh, best Dallas Star slash Minnesota North Star of all time. The dude is an absolute legend. Uh, he was a uh, he wasn't on his back nine uh, when I started watching. I actually recall him when I f- the f- some of the first hockey that I watched was the '99 Dallas Stars Buffalo Sabres Stanley Cup Final in Medano, Brett Hall, Belfour. Of course, Belfour was was the guy that got me into hockey for sure, and Dominic Hasek that goaltending duel. We won't talk about the foot in the crease, but yeah, man, Mike 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 Medano. Ah, very unfortunate that he didn't finish his career with the Stars. He had that very unfortunate run with the Red Wings at the end, but a a statue for him, that's awesome. That's freaking awesome, and very much so well-deserved. He is an incredible hockey player, Hall of Famer, all that great stuff. So that is pretty freaking key. And yeah, I think that's going to be it for me, everybody, for this episode. Thank you again so much for listening, watching, whichever you're doing this. Uh, If you want to help me out, make me happy, uh, hit that uh, review button. Give it whatever stars you feel are deserving. Uh, Hit a like button on YouTube. Drop a comment. Uh, You want to send in a question related to hockey, video games, or wrestling, or a question uh, about the podcast, whatever. Want to send in a question? You want me to answer it live on the podcast? I would love to dedicate some time to answer some questions for you, the listener, the viewer, whichever. That would be a lot of fun. So send them in if you would like. These get uploaded to YouTube on the Gamer GX Videos YouTube channel. All the links are in the description. There is a Twitter page as well. You can I, I put up uh, what episodes are upcoming, ideas. Uh, cat pictures, you name it. It's it's over there on Twitter. So if you want to follow along, you can go ahead. If you don't want to, I completely understand it. Twitter sucks. It sucks. But you know, you got to have it. Got to have it if you're trying to grow a podcast and stuff. So check it out. Drop a comment on the YouTube channel. Uh, great place to leave a question. I will see it there. I get instant notification for that. So if you want it, answered good place to drop it there's an email address as well if you want to have just a personal conversation questions anything like that you don't want it answered live there's an email address for that as well send in your questions that'd be a lot of fun this weekend or friday saturday for the gamer cast i will be doing call of duty for modern warfare the old relic the, the legend but the legend began with me and call of duty back there in call of duty 4 so we're going retro sort of you know it is retro it's a well over 10 year old game and yeah we'll be talking about that bad boy and i can't wait it's going to be a ton of fun talking about that game again going down memory lane it's gonna be a lot of fun so be on the lookout for that should be dropping friday or saturday this week with the wrestling cast been a busy month we just had full gear so you can go back and listen to the full review of that there's a whole episode dedicated to it there will be a recap and there is the survivor series war games is this weekend i'm feeling that it's probably going to be big enough for its own episode but i will again if you want to keep up on twitter you can follow along there i'll post up Whenever I know if I want to make it a separate episode or not. But the best way is just to stick around with the GX Plus cast. You know what I'm saying? Follow along. Stick around. We'll be back again with some more GX Plus cast. (laughs) 